You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good morning. You all can have a seat. It's great to be with you. And what a morning to get to celebrate Bethany and her commitment to God and baptism. Last weekend, we had Sheila DeWeese, who was baptized last Sunday morning. Let's welcome Sheila home to the family. Whenever someone comes and surrenders their life to the Lord or decides that they would like to be a member here at this church, they always get a letter from me the first few days of the week. I know I'm old-fashioned, but I still send letters, and the first line of that letter will always say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome back to God who created you and wanted this relationship with you. And welcome back to the church, the church who will love you and will walk along beside of you. If you've come today desiring to take that next step or whatever your next step needs to be, later in the service you'll have the opportunity to meet me at the cross or one of the other guys back there in the next step area. We're just in the back corner there. Just feel free uh, later in the service when we call for that response to respond that way. Well, this weekend we continue our series in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you were here with us last week, you remember Brandon took us through 1 Samuel, where we were introduced to David, who was anointed by the prophet, and he was chosen to be the next king. The problem is, is that there was already a king. His name was Saul, and Saul was put in place by God because the nation of Israel that we've been speaking about for the last 18 weeks, they desired to be like everyone else. They wanted a king. But there's only one king, as we're going to discover today, and that is King Jesus. But nonetheless, God let them have a king. Saul started out good, but it wasn't long before Saul began ignoring God, and God's spirit was removed from Saul, and God's spirit was placed on David. David was to replace Saul. And where we pick up today in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David is now king. Saul is dead. He leaned on his own sword. That didn't take him out. And so he asked someone to kill him. He was killed. His son, Jonathan, who was David's best friend early on, he was killed also. And so after learning of their death, David became king. And some time had passed between that moment and this when David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Se several years ago, I had a, a friend who was diagnosed with cancer. It was an unexpected diagnosis. He's my age. And it wasn't long that he began to deteriorate. And I spent a lot of time with him, with his wife, with his family. And when he passed a few months later, uh, I, I felt like God just put it on my heart that I needed to go over and check on his parents. And, and not only did I check on them once, but over the next several years, when it came time for his birthday, when it was a holiday, I would stop by and I would just kind of step in to to show them the kindness that I knew my friend would have shown them. I, I stopped by to volunteer and do some of the things that I knew he would take care of 
for them. Notice David's asking here, is there anyone left? What's David up to? David is trying to identify if there's anyone left from Saul's family, from Jonathan's family, that David can show grace towards, show kindness towards, come alongside and help them since their father Jonathan and their grandfather Saul are both dead. But I want you to notice what he didn't ask. He didn't say, is there anyone qualified to have the king of Israel come and and show kindness to him? Is there anyone worthy? Notice he didn't ask, make sure that if there is a descendant of Jonathan out there, that that if I show him kindness, that he he can pay me back by doing something to help serve in this kingdom. No, he just said, is there anyone? Is there any family member Jonathan left that I can show kindness to? That word kindness comes from a Hebrew word, chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. It doesn't pronounce like it sounds, but or like it spells, but it's chesed. And chesed is translated as not just kindness, but loving kindness, the kind of kindness that God shows us a loyalty, an unfailing love for his people. And this loving kindness stems from God's nature. It's part of who he is. There's nothing in us to merit it. There's nothing in us to deserve it, just like this young man that we're about to meet that David has sought out. And so here's what David is showing us. Grace doesn't depend on the recipient. God's grace does not depend on you or me or the person who's about to receive his grace and what we have to offer. But grace is part of God's nature. And it's to be part of our nature too as those who follow Christ. Verse 2, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Saul's servant? Remember, Saul was the king. Saul's dead. He said, Yes, your servant, he replied. And the king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Right? This guy was in charge of all of Saul's household. If anyone knew if there was any remnant to Saul's family, he, he would know. And the servant answered King David. He said, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. Now we're going to know him as Mephibosheth. Where is he? David asked. The servant answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar to the house of Machir, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. Now, notice when this servant informed David that there was indeed an heir. There was indeed a grandson of Saul's, a son of Jonathan still in existence. And, and notice what's not there when the servant tells David, but he's crippled. He's crippled in both feet. 
David didn't ask uh, how, how bad is he crippled? Uh, do, do, do you think it's, it's worth bringing him in or should we just, should we just let him be? He, he didn't think to himself, this guy's going to be useless to have around here. Why in the world did I start this process of, of reaching out? And you and I, those are the questions that you and I would ask. Those are the things that would be going through our head. Instead, David asked, where is he? Bring him. Bring him to me. Now, there are three things about God's grace that we're going to find today in this account. And it's an account that we very rarely look at. But because we're reading through the Bible, you that are reading along with us, you read about that this week. And the first thing about God's grace that we discover is that God's grace seeks us where we're at. He seeks us. Notice how David went out to seek Mephibosheth so that he could show grace. He could show kindness to him. God's loving kindness initiates the relationship. God did not wait on us to call on him to send his one and only son into the world in order to show us grace. God initiated that. C.S. Lewis wrote, I never had the experience of looking for God. It was the other way around. He was the hunter and I was the deer. He stalked me, he took aim and he fired. And I'm very thankful that this is how the first meeting occurred. <laughs> David sought out Mephibosheth, not the other way around. In fact, Mephibosheth was hiding out. That's the significance of Lodabar. Verse 4 says he was in Lodabar. What's that mean? That was an obscure village. It was outside of Jerusalem. If you were looking at a map, Bill Stone could show you exactly where it's at. I have no idea where it's at. doesn't matter. The point is, the point is, is that it was opposite of the direction of the palace. This is where Mephibosheth is. This is where David is. David's in town. Mephibosheth is in the country. The custom of royal families in that day would be to eliminate any rival to the throne. Now, now here's, the, here's the throne history, right? You have Saul, you, then you have Jonathan, who should have been next in line, right? But instead, God, through Samuel, anointed David, but Jonathan was cool with that. Jonathan was a man who knew God, who loved God, who loved David, who gave his robe, who gave his sword, who gave everything to him that represented his place, his line in the royal family. So Saul's dead, Jonathan's dead. Who would be next if we just followed, you know, we just saw Queen Elizabeth die last year, right? And we see the succession of that monarchy over there in England. It, that's what we're talking about here. Mephibosheth should be the next to the throne. But yet Mephibosheth is in hiding. Why? Because back in these times when the royal family, when one went out of power and another came in, the deal was as they eliminated everyone from the initial royal family. There was to be no threat left to the throne. 
And so Mephibosheth is far out in the country. He's hanging out in this little town. And on top of that, he was five years old when David became king. And at the age of five, because of the threat, the belief that his life would be taken, the nanny, the nurse, grabbed him up as they fled, as they fled the palace, and she dropped him, and he landed on his feet, and I don't know if he broke his ankles, I don't know if they cut his feet, I don't know what it was, but he was crippled for the rest of his life in his feet. So that's a little bit of the background. But what I want you to notice is I want you to notice the parallel. Just as Mephibosheth at a very young age once walked with his father, so we, so man originally walked with God. But sin came. Sin came and man suffered a fall that crippled us, that alienated us from God, just as Mephibosheth is alienated from the king. We're born with a sin nature that separates us from God and prevents us from coming to God ourselves. Why? Because Ephesians 2, 1 says that we're dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our sin. That's the condition we're in when God sought us out by his grace. We were fallen. We were permanently damaged. Now, can you imagine how Mephibosheth must have thought how he felt when the king's messengers knocked on his door and said, hey, the king wants to see you? <laughs> I imagine he just kind of felt his neck. He kind of swallowed hard. By this point, he's in his late teens, maybe early 20s. We know he already had a son. Come with us. They said, David wants to see you in the palace. Mephibosheth must have thought, this, this is it. He's found me out. I'm dead now. Isn't that kind of the way that we feel when we're found out? When our true identity, the real us, is found out? I, we, we all look really good on the weekends. Uh, very rarely do we come into this place uh, downcast and carrying all of our burdens for everyone to see, right? If we were out the night before, we try to brush our teeth and get the alcohol smell off our breath, or at least some of you do. I smelled a few of you this morning. <laughs> we try to clean up our language a little bit, but God forbid that we be found out like Mephibosheth was found out, even though he was only guilty of being Saul's grandson. But his first response to being called before the king was fear. Fear's the response of any of us who's aware of our position outside of a relationship with the king. What will the king do? Will the king have me? Will the king dismiss me? Will the king kill me? Will he do away with me? Will he show me the wrath? of the king, but that's the whole reason King Jesus set out to find us and bring us home, just as David sought out Mephibosheth to bring him home. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God sent his son into the world to save the world, to show the world grace, to show the world loving kindness, to bring the world back home. To him, 
God's grace seeks us where we're at. We're fallen, we're damaged. We might even be crippled by sin. As far from God as we can be, fearful of God and his judgment. And that's what the messengers of David did. They brought Mephibosheth to the palace, just as God's grace brings us right into the king's presence. It's the greatest thing about God's grace. And what Mephibosheth is about to experience from King David is what you and I experience when we come home, when we are brought home by God's grace. And that is acceptance, blessing, and community. Acceptance. King David wanted Mephibosheth, no matter his condition. Why? Because David was Mephibosheth's father's friend. David and Jonathan were friends. And just the same way, listen, we have the acceptance of God no matter our brokenness and sin. Why? Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son. If my parents had met Sarah before I did, they probably would have told her to run. No. If they had met my wife, Sarah, before I did, they no doubt would have liked her. She's a sweet girl. She didn't have any tattoos back then, right? (laughs) So so they they would have liked her. They, They would have been kind towards her. But the day Sarah and I got married, she what? She became family. She is a daughter to my mother. I mean, they talk four times for every once they talk to me. Her Christmas present is twice what my Christmas present is. Her birthday, they celebrate. Mine, I don't know. Haven't had a birthday for 10 years. But God's grace grace brings us into the family. We have the acceptance of God just as Sarah is now part of our family. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It says that God predestined us for adoption. From the very beginning of time, God had in his mind his plan, his plan long before you were born and I were born, his plan was for us to be part of his family. He planned for Jesus to come. He planned for us that we would choose him on our own, that we would accept his invitation, that we would come home in relationship with him. He predestined us for adoption to sonship. We become sons and daughters of the king because of what Jesus Christ has done. In fact, that's what it says. Through Jesus Christ in accordance with God's pleasure, that's what he wanted, And his will, that's what he planned, to the praise of his glorious grace, his loving kindness, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, this is what King David illustrates for us in verse 7 when he takes Mephibosheth and he looks him in the eye and he says in verse 7, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. For the sake of your father, Jonathan. There's that relationship again. 
And if you remember from a week ago in your previous reading back in 1 Samuel, you might remember, I can't remember if it was within the boundaries of the few verses we read every week or if it was in the expanded reading. But if you go back and you look at David and Jonathan's relationship, David and Jonathan made a covenant. They made a promise. A promise that could only be broken if one of them were to die. Jonathan's dead. David still keeps the promise. Because that promise was, Jonathan, when I'm king, your family, your children, your children's children, they will always have a place in my home. They will always have a place at my table. And just as David and Jonathan made a covenant, God and Jesus Christ made a covenant way before you and I were born that we would have a place in God's home. Not by our goodness, not by what we have to offer him. Mephibosheth can give nothing to David or to the kingdom. But because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, by his grace, not only does God accept us, but then God blesses us without limit. Our king, he blesses us without limit. Now that's a big statement, but if you know him, if you've been a child of the king for some time, you know it's true. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up. Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? It's the gospel story. God did not spare his one and only son. For God so loved the world, right? He gave his one and only son. How did he give him? He gave him to come and to live a perfect life so that he could bear, he could have, he could recognize, he could envelop all of our sins. Sins past, sins present, sins future. He could take all of that on and then he, he would feel the wrath of God, not you and I who deserved it. That's what we're talking about here. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also, with Jesus, freely give us all things? Notice in verse 7 what David says to Mephibosheth. I will restore to you, young man, all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. I'm going to give you the estate, young man. You who've been living in a home with someone else, you don't even have a, your own home. Now you have one. And not only do that, do you, you have the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And, and you will always eat at my table. Notice it's not, you can come over tonight since you're here. And, and after I'm done eating, then you can eat. You can come back on special holidays. You will always eat at my table. David goes on to tell Mephibosheth that Ziba, Ziba's 15 sons and his 20 servants, remember, Saul's servant, Ziba, his family, his servants, they would all now belong to Mephibosheth. What was their responsibility? To farm all of this land, to make sure that Mephibosheth was taken care of. Imagine Mephibosheth 
just days before living in obscurity in Lodabar where the biggest event of the day was watching the occasional cow walk by. He's brought to the capital city of Jerusalem where he ate not just one meal, but my friends, all of his meals at the same table as the most powerful king in the world, sharing life with royalty. I had a taste of that back in my old life 20 some years ago. I spent 15 years working for the FBI and it was in my early 20s I was moved over into the management track. That meant that I had the privilege of going to Washington, actually Virginia. I go to Virginia and I would stay for two or three weeks at a time where they would bring in the most decorated, the most decorated veterans. Air Force, the, the oldest living veteran. I, I sat under his teaching about leadership, right? I sat at a table with former Marines. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I saw my old boss, who seemed ancient 20 years ago, finish in the head of the 18-mile run or 13-mile run yesterday that Sarah was in. Still just as fit and, and amazing for his age in the 70s. But nonetheless, before the age of 30, I found myself seated at the table of the director of the FBI, invited to his private dinner room. Not once, but multiple times. Now I tell you that because for a man in his 20s, a boy, a boy in his 20s from a small town who never aspired to any of that, I dreamed of being a preacher one day. That, that's what I felt like God wanted me to do. And yet he called me into this for this period of time. But as humbling and as enriching as that was to have that place at his table, it's nothing compared to what God gave me when he invited me to his table. My friends, that's the only table that I want to be found at. And yet God has given us so much more because of his own grace. We have a seat. We have a seat at his table. We have a seat in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because of his grace. God provides for our every need there. He's made us members of his family where we are together at his banquet table. We have constant contact with him. Father, us, us, Father. First name, basis. His spirit lives inside of us. We have the fellowship of his family. My goodness, friends, how sweet it is while we're stuck on this planet to have these people around us on Wednesday nights, in our homes, sharing meals, working together, serving together, encouraging one another, celebrating with one another. But let me tell you that the greatest honor by far that God's grace brings to us is the reality that God's grace not only sought me out and brought me to his table and blessed me, but God's grace keeps me. God's grace keeps me faithfully waiting for the king's return. 
faithfully waiting for his return. In chapter 19, this wasn't part of your reading, but if you're like me, you want to take in the whole thing, right? 10 minutes a day is nothing. So why not make it 20 and read the whole thing? In chapter 19, we find the sequel to chapter 9, right? We, we watched, uh, gosh, what's the name of that uh, movie? I shouldn't even start down this path. Uh, it's got Maverick in it, Goose. What's, what's the name of the movie? Top Gun, right? Uh, while we were waiting on Sarah to run this race, you know, while she was running, we were in the van sitting in the back seat watching Top Gun. We, we, we watched the first one, and then it's not really the sequel. They remade it, and we, we, we watched that. And don't worry, I covered up the girls' ears. They didn't hear any of that language, even though it sounds just like their mother does most of the time. <clears throat> but in chapter 19, a lot has happened. In chapter 19, a lot has happened. David had to flee the country. I don't know if you ever noticed, but after service, one of the security guys that we have just hiding out among you, they come up here and stand at my side. The reason why they do that is so if Sarah comes looking for me, I can get out the back door. A lot's happened. David's son Absalom, right? David's son Absalom makes a move. David has to flee the country. The king had to flee his palace. Mephibosheth wanted to go along, but his servant, Ziba, remember this is Saul's servant first, he deceived Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth got left behind. But not only did he deceive him, but he went to the king and he said, I don't know what happened to that Ziba. He, he, he is not very loyal to my king, right? You've had those guys in your life. They're just filthy pieces of dirt. Now in verse 24, David's returned and Mephibosheth goes to meet him. Now I want you to hear all this, but there's one thing in particular we're getting to. So, so listen up with me. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, went down to meet the king. So the king's on his way back to his palace. He's back to taking the seat on the throne. He went down to meet the king. Mephibosheth had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache, or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned. Why in the world would we need to know that? That the dude had stinky feet, that his mustache was way out of control, and that his clothes were as stiff as a board because he hadn't changed them. Because that tells us something. It tells us that from the time King David was pushed out, Mephibosheth was mourning. Mephibosheth missed his king. Nothing else mattered to him. Even his own cleanliness mattered to him because the king, the king who had come and saved him, was gone. He remained loyal and faithful to the king. Listen, while our king is gone, it's not that we shouldn't bathe or that we shouldn't trim our mustache. Some of you need to cut your mustache off, by the way. It just doesn't look good on you. We should change our clothes, right? But we should long for his return. All these things that get our attention, all these things that seem so important to us should not be as important as looking forward to him coming back. Verse 25. David, the king, asked Mephibosheth, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? 
Good question, fair question. Mephibosheth said, my Lord the king, since I am your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and I will ride on it so that I can go with the king, but, but my servant betrayed me. And not only did he betray me, but he has slandered me to you. My Lord, the king is like an angel of God. And so you do to me whatever pleases you, right? Mephibosheth's like, if you want to just do away with me altogether, you can do that. All my grandfather's descendants, right? All of Saul's descendants deserve nothing but death. Going back to that original rule, right? In the monarchy, one king's out, they all die. The other king comes in. They all deserve nothing but death from you, my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? David went on to tell Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, I want you to have all of that land back. Ziba had done a, a dirty thing. And, and so David believed Ziba, gave him Mephibosheth's land. He restores all of that. He gives him his land. But it's Mephibosheth's response in verse 30 that I want you to hear. He said, let my servant take everything. Take everything now that my Lord the King has arrived home safely. Do you hear what he's saying? I don't want anything else but you, King. Uh, he can have it all. The world, the world that's always pulling something over on us, <laughs> they can have it. They can have it all. All I want, all I want is the person who sought me out, who brought me home, who accepted me, who blessed me, who gave me a family when I didn't have one. That's who I want, and that's the table that I want to sit at. And that struck me this week. And I wonder how it strikes you today. Is that the way that you feel about God? Is it? Is that the way that you feel about him? Amongst all the blessings that he's given you, you've not let your children get in the way of him, right? You've not missed out on an entire weekend where there's two different opportunities on two different days to worship because your kid was playing in a tournament someplace. You didn't put your kid before God, did you? None of us have done that. Payments that we get ourselves into because we want to have the biggest and the best, that, that's not gotten in your way by, by working 10 hours of overtime every week and not being available to serve your king, right? Not, not, none of that's gotten in, in your way. Is that the way that you feel about God? That he is everything God's grace towards you and me, does it make you long for his return? Or, or are you kind of hoping that he puts it off a little while longer? Or, right, you, you were blessed and you got a hottie like I did. 20 years we're gonna be married next March. I'm, I'm so excited to celebrate that with her. Problem is, is I asked her only for 20 years. So she's excited because she thinks she's getting out of it, but we're gonna renew it. 
the one who showed us so much grace when he left the riches of the palace <laughs> and he came to our Lodabar <laughs> and he met us right where we were at, forgave us of who we are and who we were and brought us home, called us his son and daughter, gave us a seat, not just for one dinner, but a seat that's always open, that is just for us. His loving kindness, regardless of our condition, regardless of what we could give him. David summed it up this way in the 23rd Psalm that you read this week. We've all paid attention to the first part, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. When a man says he doesn't want anything, it makes us all look and see why. But at the very end, David, David who demonstrates grace for us, the grace of Jesus Christ, he said these words about his shepherd God. We can see why he showed it this way. He said, surely God's goodness and mercy will follow me. God's loving kindness, his grace, it's right here. We're one. It follows me everywhere I go. His grace is with me. It covers me while I wait for him. His grace, it helps me wait. When I can't stand the person that I need to go and extend forgiveness to, his grace, his grace is all over me. And so how can I not surely his goodness and grace, goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. <laughs> and this one thought held him until God came for him. <laughs> because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> Just as Mephibosheth had a place in the king's house forever. So God has made a way for us. This Wednesday night's going to be a really special night for us. Midweek every week is a special week. And if you haven't made it out to that, I really encourage you to make it out to this one. It's going to be a great night. Great dinner starts 515. But at 6 o'clock, we're going to gather. We're going to worship as we always do. But then there's going to come a moment where what you get to be part of as a church family only happens once every sometimes six, seven years. And that is we have two men for the last four years that have been in our leadership development group. Two men that are now gonna be brought before you. They're gonna kneel down, they're gonna make a commitment. And then they're gonna receive the laying on of hands. They're gonna receive the prayer of others who have taken the same path that they're taking. And they will be commissioned, they will be ordained. They'll be set apart as shepherds, as elders of the church. Very special time. But then it gets even more special. You're going to hear from three people, three family members this year. There's hundreds of you that have done this, but we're going to just take a look at three who heard God's call this year and said yes to him. And we're going to pray for them. And we're going to commission them to go on and do the things that God's called him to do. One of them, I just got to let the cat out of the bag. He's a young man. We've only known him here for a few months. But this young man is in engineering school. He's smart. He can make lots and lots of money. 
without having to do anything physical. And he just walked out of those classes and signed up for youth ministry classes at a Bible college. Why wouldn't we have him come and we, we just extend the hand out onto him and we say, God bless this young man. God go with this young man. Beyond that three, there are dozens of you who have taken that same next step. And I invite you to come that night and there'll be opportunities all around the room with these three that I'm gonna introduce you to, with our elders, with our staff, for you to just come and say, God has, has really placed this on my heart. You know, I'm gonna start this blog. I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve as a greeter and I just need God's presence. I need his power to do these things that he's asked me to do. Then we're gonna pray for you. Will you be part of that night? It's gonna be a great, great night. And you can still be home in time to watch whatever your favorite show is. But my point is, oh, that night you want to be baptized and, and the crowd here's a little bit too big for it. Come out Wednesday night. You want to be part of this church family? Make this Wednesday night the night that you join this church. But you don't have to wait until Wednesday. You can let today be that special day. Just like Bethany just like young Logan, who's gonna come and show us the way now. You can come. The king's already come for you. Now it's your opportunity, like Mephibosheth, to come home, to come home, to be baptized, to come home, be part of the family. You, you have a seat at his table. Why don't you come and claim it? Stand together with me and let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this journey that we're on through your word from cover to cover. And right here in this Old Testament, we see Jesus all over the page. We see him through this flawed man named David, the shepherd boy that you raised up this man who would make so many mistakes in his life, yet he knew your grace. He lived in your loving kindness and it flowed from him into the lives of others just as your grace is too in our lives. As flawed and as jacked up as our choices are sometimes. Thank you for King Jesus who shows us the way. Thank you for King Jesus who paid the price. Thank you for King Jesus who shows us grace that brings us into your house, your family. And Father, may we continue as your family to shine bright and tell all that you have chosen, that you have predestined, that you have desired from the very beginning that all would hear your word, that all would come to you in repentance. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can respond a couple different ways. Like I said earlier, you can meet me at the cross. You can meet Brandon or David. I think I see David back there in the back. Yeah, he's back there. Brandon's going to stay here.
David's back there in the back in the next steps area. Feel free to come and say, hey, here's, here's where I think God's leading me next. Let, let's get together this week and let's talk about baptism. Do you know that we have like 12 children right now who are going through just an opportunity to learn more about baptism because they want it already in their life? I know that there's many of you who want that. I know that there's many of you who want that. So why don't you come? Why don't you come and claim it today and receive it? Logan's going to show us the way. There's more room for you. Come as we sing.